0: It's time for a big blue kickoff live.
1: Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you
0: did. On
2: Giants.com. You know what I saw? New
0: York Giant Prime.
2: And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go on there like
3: a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. The Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Paul Dottino with you. The phone number is 973 667 1960. Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of Big Blue Kickoff Live as well as our other podcasts, Giants Rewind. We had a great interview with David Deal this week. And also the Giants Huddle Podcast. And we had a good talk with Darnay Holmes yesterday. That went up there. We're going to have a uh, little retrospective on Ray Perkins. Paul had a chance to talk to Harry Carson. That'll go up this weekend. And I'm going to talk to Jonathan Vilma later on today as well, who's going to be calling the game for Fox On Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals. That'll be up later on today as well. So make sure you go check that out. Mr. Paul Dottino, happy Friday. How are you, sir? Uh, Well,
1: John, it is a happy Friday. And my goodness, aren't we busy around the facility these days? Isn't it great to have such meaningful December games on tap? We're busy. We're just not around the facility. But yes. (laughs) A lot of things going on around the Meadowlands. Let's put it that way. Yes,
3: absolutely. And obviously you have four games here, Paul, at the three-quarter season mark. The Giants tied for Washington in first place in the NFC East. Uh, The Giants right now control their own destiny. If if they win as many or more games in Washington the rest of the way, it really is that simple at this point, Paul. They will win the NFC East. Uh, assuming Philadelphia doesn't make an an unlikely run here. So the Giants do control their own destiny moving forward, and it's good to know. But the news this week, of course, the Giants trying to get their starting quarterback, Daniel Jones, back on the field. He missed last week against Seattle. Colt McCoy did a good job stepping in, being a caretaker, didn't make any mistakes, kept the Giants in the game. And Paul, it looks like, Based on reports, at least, there was some good news at practice today. Well,
1: yes, uh, Ryan Dunleavy of the New York Post was good enough to actually put some video up himself. Not, not all of us are as good sometimes with our phones as we necessarily could be. But uh, during the media portion of practice this morning, Daniel Jones did take the initial snaps during the, 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 the uh, snap drills, uh, and he looked pretty good. He was mobile, uh, did not hobble, even lightly jogged uh you know judge was very very clear that he'd love to be able to make a decision tonight as to whether or not jones will play against the cardinals on sunday but did leave a little loophole saying you know there's always tomorrow there's a walkthrough maybe he can visit with the trainers tomorrow and they can adjust their decision-making process but as it stands now uh he's doing pretty well coach is optimistic and he's going to want to see him again continue that upward trend if he's going to let him play.
3: Well, Paul, let's hear about let's hear from head coach JoJar talking about that and more when he spoke to the media today about not only injuries with Daniel Jones, but also for middle linebacker Blake Martinez.
4: Coach, obviously we talked to before practice yesterday. So um did you ramp up Daniel a little bit more? Did he do did he show you a little bit more? We you, you know, were you pushing him and all that? And how did he come out of it?
2: Yeah, we definitely did. We, we ramped him up a little bit, putting through a series of drills. Um, look, I'd say this—he's getting be getting better every day. He's working very hard with the trainers. Uh, coming out of practice yesterday, uh, there was some progress made. We had a long talk with him after practice. Long talk with him this morning again. You know, we're going to kind of put him through it again today, see how his body responds. to What it was yesterday. Um, you know, look, I'm fairly optimistic at the same time. There's a ways to go, and we've got to be fair to him. I'm going to talk to the trainers, make sure you know the medical team and the coaching staff are on the same page that we do the right thing by this guy.
3: And Coach,
2: how about Blake? How did he come out of the practice? Blake, uh, yeah, fairly well. I mean, he had a walkthrough on Wednesday. You know, did mostly everything yesterday in practice for the most part. Uh, there are some things we kind of held him out of in terms of some of the uh, you know more violent drills. I guess you'd say as far as hitting shields and pads and things. Um, other than that, you know, guy went through practice for the most part. For us, had a good day. Check with him this morning. Uh, we're going to go ahead and see how he is in the training room in a minute. Those guys just broke meetings. A lot of those guys going for a little extra treatment before practice. We'll see where he's at today. Good. Hey, are there any benchmarks or anything you need to see from today today before making your decision or something that you weren't able to see during yesterday's practice? Yeah, I'm more concerned just in how his body responds in terms of overall soreness and how his body responds, you know, physically to make sure that this isn't going to go ahead and, you know, roll over that one day over another going to stack up and it's going to be something negative on Sunday. But, uh, you know, we see how he moves today relative to yesterday. I don't necessarily think it necessarily has to be better. I just want to make sure that it's, you know, functional and that he can protect himself. You guys
1: ruled him out pretty early, or I guess was he was doubtful last week. Do you plan on,
2: you know, carrying that to game day again, potentially to make the decision to see how he responds to today's practice in a couple days? Yeah, I'd say in a perfect world, I'd like to make the decision uh, before game day. I'd like to know tonight at the latest for myself, if we have to go into tomorrow and do something a little bit extra with the trainers, then so be it. Uh, you know, normally I like not to do things with guys on Saturdays if we don't have to. Wondering how confident you are knowing what you you do know at this point, that Daniel and Blake will both be ready by Sunday. Yeah, today's going to be a telltale sign for both those guys for us, to be honest with you, Jordan. I'm not going to try to put some kind of percentage on it. Um, I'm optimistic on both those guys because of, you know, number one, the way they're working, the way they're responding at this point with the trainers. we got to trust our medical team. I know both guys can do everything they can to be on the field. So, look, we're playing and preparing right now with plans for both having both those guys as well as not having both those guys. So that's something, you know, it's our job to do and make sure we can play accordingly.
3: So, Paul, I'll I'll summarize. Uh, I think right now, if we had to guess, we'd probably think Daniel Jones was going to play on Sunday. Obviously, a setback, I think, would change our opinion on that. And it sounds like Joe Judge is kind of of the same opinion, where if it continues on the trajectory that it is now and based on what, you know, Ryan put up from practice on video. It appears that's the direction it's going. Barring a setback, I think people should be pretty confident that he'll be ready to go on Sunday.
1: Italy is going to come down to, as it always does with the Giants, the trainers. You and I both know that, John. The Giants will always defer to the medical staff here. And if they tell Coach, okay, you think you see what you see, looks pretty good to you, you feel pretty, pretty good about it, all right, that's fine, but we believe that maybe he's going to do himself some harm by going in the game. If that is the case, then no matter what we think we see, the Giants will probably not play him. And I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm simply saying there are circumstances where we could think we see what we see and if the trainers feel otherwise, the Giants will always defer to the trainers.
3: Of course. But I think based on the way Judge spoke today, if the trainers see something, that would almost be considered a setback to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, I, I, I think that I think you make a fair point. Fair enough. And then with Blake Martinez, backs are tricky. Uh, I think, you know, you go, you know, you you sleep in a hotel bedroom, you wake up in the morning, who knows how it feels. You take one hit the wrong way, who knows what happens. As someone that struggles with lower back issues, I know how – uh, periodic and yeah. inconsistent they can be. It sucks. It really does. So um, they'll take care of it this week. I'm sure, that, as Joe Judge pointed out, they've kept them out of contact drills to kind of keep that area calm, but it can get active really quick. So he's an important player this week, Paul, for someone that manages the middle of the field. You know, everyone talks about Murray's, you know, running, and they should. He's great at it, and, and they do take some shots down the field. A huge part of the Cardinals' offense here, Paul, is there really, really quick short passing game and trying to get yards after the catch and things like that? And having someone like Blake Martinez who can read that, react quickly, and tackle in that short area in the open field would be very, very important.
1: You know, to steal a baseball phrase from Reggie Jackson, I really do believe that Blake Martinez is the straw that stirs the drink for the Giants' defense. I, and I appreciate Logan Ryan very, very much. I think Martinez is, is the guy. And so he, to me, is the most important guy on that field – if they are going to hold the Cardinals under 20 points, which I believe they would if Martinez is able to play the full four quarters. I would say this. The only guy who I remember, and it's really not relevant because he played a different position, but I will throw it out there anyway, who had a lot of these lower back pains. Remember Zach Diassi used to have that all the time. And, you know, he was a long snapper. Did not play in the regular defense. Did not have to roam sideline to sideline or cover running backs. But this was a guy who, I guess the last three or four years of his career, always seemed to have lower back pains. And a lot of times his maintenance would not practice during the week, and yet he rarely missed a game. So I, I, I I don't really know how to judge this and how it's going to impact him. We're getting word out of uh, Arizona that DeAndre Hopkins has a back and a neck problem and they've been maintaining him by usually skipping his practices on Wednesday. But then this week he also missed Thursday's practice, which apparently waved a yellow flag to some people. So, you know, John, this whole maintenance thing, which years ago was not very common, is much more common today where you see guys miss practices but then go out and play on game day anyway.
3: Yeah, and look, Blake Martinez is a tough guy. He's going to go out there and try to tough this out one way or the other. And same thing for DeAndre Hopkins. He's a guy that constantly, Paul, has some type of nick during the week. He's kind of perpetually banged up, but he always, at least almost always, ends up playing on Sunday. But that's something... We'll keep an eye on. We won't have word on that during the show since it's a West Coast team. Uh, They will not have practice until much later in the day. So we won't have word on DeAndre on the show. But obviously, if we hear anything. Or Over the course of the show, we will talk about it. All right, Paul, one thing I thought was interesting, you know, you and Lance did the show yesterday. You had Phil Simms on. If you guys missed it, I really suggest you go back and listen. Phil was really good, as he usually was on the show. But you and Lance, I thought, had a very interesting conversation about how maybe the Giants and Joe Judge can look back at some of the things the Patriots and the Dolphins did, given their connections to Joe Judge uh, against the Cardinals this year and whether or not the Giants' defense could use some of that in the game this week. Well, A intrepid member of the media asked that same exact question. I believe it was Dan Duggan today on the conference call, and here was Joe Judge's response.
2: I think it's more valuable really just to watch the tape more so than just kind of looking to listen. All of our rosters are different. So while you do have common friends on different staffs, everybody sees the game a little bit differently because of who they're pieced together on the roster with to use. To me, it's more about just watching the tape, and you've got to look at it in terms of they're probably looking at those games relative to us to think we're going to play something similar. That being said, even though there's a lot of things from the same tree, I'd say, or the same, you know, system, there's a lot of differences in what we're doing this year because of who we have on the roster, and we've really evolved into what works for us. So I think each team has done that in their own right, so not everything carries over. You know, Miami's game plan, Detroit's game plan, you know, really is very different from how we play with our players. Uh, I don't think it's any secret to Cliff. I think if he watches the tape, he understands that on the front end. You know, you're just kind of trying to find similarities of things maybe they've done that had success that could fit into what you're doing. Um, but in terms of just calling coaches and asking, "Hey, would you call here?" Sometimes I think that poisons, you know, what you're going to do in your own game plan. I think you have to really trust your own instincts because you know your players better than anybody, and you have to look at the tape and understand how can we use our guys to stop their system.
3: Yeah, and Paul, the way the, the direction I'll take this, and then you could take it in whatever direction you want. Is a team like the Patriots, a team like the Dolphins, a team like the Lions. And Joe Judge kind of referenced this, not actually referencing it in his answer, I thought. Those guys play so much man-to-man defense, which is something the Giants just don't do a lot of. So in terms of the back end, I don't think the approach will be very similar.
1: Well, you see, I do in terms of what the Patriots did because I see a lot of similarities in, in these these tapes. And I appreciate what Judge said about maybe you don't talk to those coaches. Yeah, but he did say you watch the tapes. And here's what's similar about it. The Patriots have Gilmore. They've got one shutdown corner. The Giants have Bradbury, one shutdown corner. They will mix uh, a lot of different looks. They will do a lot of pre-snap disguising. They will do a lot of amoeba stuff on the defensive line of scrimmage. They rely more on athleticism and guys being able to be versatile and jumping all around the field. These things are very similar to what the Patriots defense is doing, John. So I I do think. That there's a tremendous. I I told you guys yesterday. What, yeah, when I was on the show yesterday, I watched that game twice, and I believe there is a ton of stuff there that the Giants are going to do to to the Cardinals. And and the way that I do think there is value in conversation isn't so much about well, what did you do to stop the Cardinals, which is what what um, what he's saying. You know, you don't necessarily talk about that. But here's what you do ask: the question you ask in that conversation is. What gave you the most trouble? What what couldn't you necessarily combat? How did they surprise you? Semantics, different kind of question, still information that can be valuable.
3: No, I hear you. All right, we've talked a lot about, I think, uh, the Cardinal offense over the course of this week. Paul, I don't think we've talked much about their defense. This will be our last topic. Before right. we get to the calls at 973-667-1960. Uh, you know, I, I watched a couple games of their defense, Paul. And they're interesting, and I think they they do provide a lot of challenges. They don't have that A-plus player up front that you kind of have to really worry about and target. But to make up for that, they have the second-highest blitz rate in the league. They send extra pressure a lot. They do some things that's similar to what the Giants do on third down, right? They'll mug up a bunch of guys at the line of scrimmage, stand a bunch of guys up, and you got to figure out who they're going to blitz. Now, they play a ton of man-to-man defense. I think it's the third highest rate of, of cover one in the league. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Peterson's not the guy he used to be, but he's not a bad corner either. Dre Fitzpatrick is out there. People are familiar with him from his days with the Bengals. Uh, Buda Baker is their X-factor. He'll play all over the place. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up covering Evan Ingram for a lot of this game given his ability as a slot corner. So they have weapons outside, but what impresses me the most is that despite their blitz rate and they're willing to put pressure and play a lot of man-to-man defense, they don't give up a lot of big plays, which usually when a team plays a lot of man and they blitz a lot, Mm -hmm. they'll they'll get burned over the top a lot. And the Mm -hmm. Cardinals haven't gotten burned over the top a lot this year. So I think the Giants are going to have to be patient. They're going to have to work that short passing game. I think this is a big Sterling Shepard game. Uh, in terms of getting separation in those short areas. I think it's a big run game for them. And I just think it's a game where the Giants are going to have to stay the course with a lot of the same things they've been doing in recent weeks with their offensive attack.
1: I agree with you wholeheartedly, John. I can't argue with much of anything you said to a smaller degree. I I mentioned a lot of that to, to Lance yesterday. And I really do think that being clean is probably the most important facet of the Giants' offense this week. Because the Cardinals will make plays on you. They will force you into some negative snaps. There's no doubt about that. They can do it. You just don't give them anything and don't panic when those snaps come. Because if you operate cleanly on the next play, you can get that yardage back. Maybe not enough all-in-one shot, but enough of it to put you in a manageable situation on the incurring snaps.
3: You know, Paul, it's funny. I just looked it up, some of the numbers from that game uh, that the the Patriots played against the Cardinals defensively before we get to the calls. Yep. And the one thing I did mention, I, I actually watched that game this morning after you talked about it on yesterday's show. The two things that did jump out of me that did surprise me a little bit, I thought they used a lot of movement and stunts in the middle of their defensive line, yes. and I think it worked well. They tried to get pressure up the middle more than they did around the edge, and I thought that was good. And I also thought they... Sent a lot more pressure and blitzed a lot more than I thought they would have before I put the tape on. And I'm looking at some of the some of the numbers here from that game. They played cover zero Paul in that game, the Patriots, 18% of the time. hmm That's a lot. Well, you know for why? A game. And they only played cover one 12%, and they were on cover three over 30%. So not as heavy man-to-man as they usually are, but they did bring a lot of pressure, and they did play a lot more cover zero than even I thought they had watching the tape. I saw the blitzes on the tape. I did not realize they were on cover zero that much.
1: It was it was a very aggressive defense. It reminded yeah. me a lot more of what Bowles and Betcher used to do a few years ago when they were yeah. with the Cardinals on Agreed. their defensive staff. 100% and i think to me john the reason they did that and i and again this is why i think there's going to be a lot of similarities because they wanted newton they were daring him to beat them with his arm they didn't want to see him beat them with the legs they didn't they didn't trust his receivers all that much and i think they basically figured you know what we're going to do what we can to neutralize that run game which includes newton's legs and force him to attack us in the air because we don't necessarily think he can do that, and I think if you're the Giants and you've got Colt McCoy playing quarterback, that would be exactly how you would want to scheme the Cardinals'
3: yeah. defense on Sunday. Now, I, I I accidentally jumped you there, Paul. I had returned to our previous conversation. That's what the Patriots did against the Cardinals in that game. They had run zero, they ran zero coverage on 13 snaps, 18 percent of the time in that game, which I was surprised by in terms of what the Patriots' defense did against Arizona in that game that we were talking about earlier. But
1: but both teams
3: teams were aggressive in that game. I don't know what the snap number
1: was, Mm -hmm. but both teams were very aggressive. Absolutely. And so I think that, you know, if you're Daniel Jones now and you're going to play in this game, well, see, now that changes the whole deal because now if you're the Cardinals' defense, you can't necessarily say to Daniel Jones – you know, beat us with your arm and your outside weapons because the Giants have a better passing game than the Patriots do. So that would change the Cardinals, D, and I think they would be less apt to be as aggressive against the Giants.
3: Yeah, I'm with you though. I think a big key for this game and it's really it's it's been a huge key during this four game winning streak, Paul. They won the turnover battle in each game. I think it's ten takeaways to only two turnovers over the course of that four game winning streak mm-hmm. and the Cardinals are going to try to force you into some of these mistakes. And if you can avoid them and you can just play your game and play mistake-free football again, and your defense is the same disciplined defense it's been where they don't give up any big plays, if you can do those two things, and I you know it sounds simple for fans out there, and you're like, oh, it's got to be more complicated than that, right, John? I have to tell you, it's really not. <laughs> if if you don't give up big plays on defense and you don't turn it over on, on offense, you're going to have a real good chance to win every game you play. Now, it might be close. It might be nip and tuck. It might be decided by one play here or there. That's fine, but... That's a good way to win football games, Paul.
1: No, there's no question. Look, it it always goes back to football 101. There are basic core philosophies. And as long as you can identify which basic philosophy is going to give you the best chance at a particular game, now you've got to simply figure out, do we have the manpower to execute that? And if we don't, how can we dummy things up that will be just as effective As if we did have the manpower. And that's the whole coaching game that you've got to deal with. I will say one other thing, John. And I don't know which of the games that you studied the most of Kyler Murray. It does look to me, certainly over the last three weeks during this losing streak, he is much more hesitant. And he looks like he's he's getting confused with a lot of pre-snap looks. I don't sense the fact that he's playing very confident football right now at all, and maybe again that's part of what happened to him after Seattle, you know, smashed his shoulder into the turf, and and maybe physically he's also not very confident.
3: Yeah, it's a good question. He was only run the ball five times in each of the last three games, and the four games prior to that, he was over ten yards, uh, ten rushes per game, excuse me. So he's running a lot less, and I wonder if that's the shoulder. And you're right, he's thrown for under two hundred yards, I think, in his last two, and I think a lot of that's to do with. The, the the creative pressure packages he's seen, yes. and I think it's taken him a while to figure out exactly what's coming now. He has that freakish athletic ability. He's basically a slot receiver with quarterback skills, the way he can move around. yeah I mean, he's impossible to catch. I mean, this is like Rocky trying to catch, like, the uh, chicken in the backyard, right? Well, he's a mosquito I mean, is yeah, what he is. He's, he's unbelievable. It's like, you know, Mr. Miyagi trying to catch the uh, fleas <laughs> with the <laughs> – with the uh, chopsticks, right? It really is. It's 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 hard. I just dropped two eighty references there for people, by the Man, way. Man, holy smokes! And even I got those. Well, At that? all? Well, that's why I used them because I figured you would. And it's just impossible to catch him. That's why you know you can get pressure on Kyler Murray. He's only been sacked. What, was it twenty or twenty-one times this year? Like right. that's because he's fast. I mean, you can't catch him. He, Bobs and weaves and gets outside the pocket. He'll throw it away. He's not afraid to just chuck the ball away if, if 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 guys are coming after him. So that'll be really difficult. The Giants got a good run at it last week in terms of containing Russell Wilson and his scrambling ability. It's a little bit more harder, a little bit more difficult this week, Paul, just because yeah. he's a, a a better athlete. You know, Patrick Graham and Darnay Holmes both said it. He said he, said he has true speed. This isn't quarterback speed. This is run away from anybody on your defense speed. That's how fast he
1: is. Well, the best thing to do, right, if you're going to try to stop a fast guy from running away from you is don't give him any open doors to run through. Yep. And really, that's what it comes down to. Because once he kicks it into that gear, all right, you got a problem because now you're in chase mode. So don't be in chase mode. Don't let him have any open doors. Close the windows, close the doors, and then he can't take off.
3: 1960 Want to remind you, Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by the New York Lottery. The New York Lottery has released their seasonal scratch-off games once again. Head to your nearest retailer for the chance to win up to five hundred thousand dollars. Please gift responsibly. Kevin in North Carolina will lead us off today on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hey, Kevin.
5: How are you guys doing today?
3: We're great, Kevin. What's up?
5: Yeah, I, I listen to the show all the time, every day, and I hear callers calling uh, about what the players need to do or Evan Ingram can't catch, he can't block, Daniel Jones always fumble. Hey, guys, I'm just saying, we're on a four-game winning streak. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. <laughs> Don't let all that other stuff go. Just enjoy it. it, it has, it's been a while since we've been on a four-game winning streak. Just enjoy it. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm just enjoying it. Sitting back and let the guys play. Enjoy it. That's all I got,
3: guys. Thanks. All right. I appreciate the call, and I'm assuming that that call might be a little bit angled towards our, our friend in Portland, Maine. Um, but You think? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but, look, guys, yeah, enjoy the ride here. And and uh, I did my – I have twice weekly hits on our radio affiliate up there in Albany on their morning show with uh, right. Quinn and Cantara. Great guys. And the question they asked me, they, oh, John, I know you don't pick games, but what do you think about this game? And I said, guys, look, here's the thing. I think the Giants have a really good chance to win this game. If they play as well as they did against Seattle, they'll win. If they play like they did against Cincinnati, they'll lose. Because Cincinnati, they almost lost a game to, and the Cardinals are are a lot better team than they are. And the kind of point I tried to make, Paul, is that the way the Giants play right now is their margin for error in these games is relatively small. Now their defense does give them some margin for error because they've played so well. But at the same time, they've won these games without really turning the ball over, without giving up any big plays. And look, you know how this goes, Paul. Occasionally, a cornerback just slips and falls down. You know what Mm -hmm. happens? A ball gets deflected into the air and it goes to somebody. They return it for a touchdown. This is just bad luck stuff that happens in the National Football League. You know what I mean? Or bad calls. Yeah, yeah. Or it could be a bad officiating decision. Whatever. It could be a million different things. So the Giants, because of the way they play, the way they're set up is to just win close games and relatively low scoring games, right? So they're probably going to be within a score one way or the other in the fourth quarter of pretty much all of these games. But they've been able to make the big plays when they count and not make those big mistakes on either side to come out with these wins. So that's really their formula right now. And if they can keep doing that, they're going to have a really good chance of continuing to win these games. Yeah, you know John, the way
1: I look at the league this year, you know, you have your your top level teams, your Pittsburghs, your Kansas Cities, your New Orleans. I don't know if you necessarily want to put Buffalo uh, up in that level. Yeah, they're close. They're you know, close. They're close. There's a second tier to me, which is your Buffalo, your Green Bay, Maybe your Rams and your Titans. Okay. I think that that's like the second tier. And if you want to sneak Cleveland in
3: there, I'll give you yeah. Cleveland. Yeah, I would say the only two teams in the top tier are probably Pittsburgh and Kansas City, right? Okay. You don't you don't want to put New Orleans up there? No, nah, you know what? I will. That's fair. I'll put New Orleans in
1: there. Okay. So after those two tiers, to me, there is a huge quicksand of mediocrity where you got a bunch of teams that depending upon the breaks, the bounces, and the officiating calls, any one of these 23 teams could beat each other on any given Sunday. And then you've got the the League, which, you know, the Jets, Jacksonville, I think Cincinnati, then, you know, and that's how I think there were literally four levels of teams in the NFL, but it's the quicksand of mediocrity, that huge puddle of quicksand that is really making up a large portion of the NFL these days. Yeah. The Giants simply right now they've been able to pull themselves out about belt high and they're they're tugging on the rope and they're trying to get out to their knees. And if they can beat Arizona, that's what they'll be. They'll be in the the more cleaner uh, of the groups that's trying to climb out of the quicksand trying to get onto shore trying to you know pull up their their face through the mud as they try to get
3: escape the quicksand. Yeah, and Paul what gets you into that area is simply executing, coaching and playing better on any given Sunday. The the talent on those teams from team to team probably isn't that much different. You know, teams have different strengths and weaknesses and how they play and their approach right. and all that stuff and their styles are different but who plays the cleanest football who makes the fewest mistakes and I I always say this and I problem driving people nuts like this is the same way you quote Parcells right well I grew up with my Giants education under Tom Coughlin and his, his quote was always more often than not one team does not beat the other team the team that loses beats itself and the Giants the last four games Paul have not beaten themselves And it's been a huge part of how they've won these games. And that's not to take anything away from them. That's a good thing. That's what good teams do. And the Giants are doing it right now. John, I'm going to go even further and
1: apply that to Sunday and tell you if the Giants lose Sunday to the Cardinals, I truly believe they will beat themselves. Because at this particular moment, I'm not talking about the entire body of 2020. I'm talking about how they're playing now. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. The Giants against the Cardinals the November Giants, the November-December Giants against the November-December Cardinals, the Giants are playing better. Yep, They are proving to be a better team at the moment. And their worst enemy will be themselves. Yeah, if
3: the Giants from the last three weeks shows up and the Cardinals from the last three weeks shows up, you have to like the Giants' chances. Now, the yep. trick is that in the NFL, as you well know, Paul, things can change on a dime. <laughs> really they sure fast, can. Really fast week to week. So we'll have to see what two teams show up and, and how they play on Sunday. 973-667-1960. Let's go back to the phones. Caller, you're on the air with John and Paul. What's up? What's your name? Where are you calling from?
6: Uh this is John from Franklin Square.
3: Hey, John, what's going on, man? Hello. How
6: are you doing? Giant fans since 1955. Uh, I'm really happy with what's going on. I'm happy for you guys because you can hear it in your voices and <laughs> and everything else that you're happy too. To I'm really, really happy. After. Hold
3: on, hold on. I'm just really happy. Somebody older than me is on the program, John. Yeah. I and mean, John, <laughs> let me say this. Look, we've had meaningful football. Jeez, I almost after Halloween. Once He's since great. 2013, and that was in 2016, this is fun. We're not right. talking about the draft in December, okay that's yeah. a good thing
6: you're absolutely correct uh, Paul I'm a walker four or five miles a day too so I just Excellent. In. I just wanted to make a comment about some of these younger players. I was watching Coughlin, and I went back over his tapes. He really made four or five really nice plays on on uh, Sunday, and that's Isaac, the uh, quarterback quarterback from uh, I think from Miami. I think he's excellent too. So I just want you to come. Is Coughlin really that fast?
3: Well, though Coughlin at the combine graded out in athletically right at the top of his class. So wow. the problem with Coughlin coming out, and I think this is what the Giants have to continue to figure out, is that he was a bit of a tweener, right? He was only 230 pounds, but he played as an edge rusher in college. So you can't really play the edge at 230 pounds in the NFL, but maybe as a situational player on passing downs, you can use him a little bit there. So I think Joe Judge and his coaching staff are figuring out a way to use him, even though maybe his size, speed, positional combination is a little bit odd for the NFL. But that's why this coaching staff, John, does such a good job because they're able to see, all right, well, this guy's not a perfect player, but where can we get the most out of him? And that's how they're starting to use him more and more.
1: John, do you remember the uh, the gentleman? I guess he created the Spark Scores for Athleticism. RAS scores, yeah. The RAS uh-huh. scores. Kent do, Lee Platt do,
3: at MathBomb on Twitter.
1: Would you Would you have his site bookmarked and and yeah, kindly mm-hmm. pull up? what Coughlin's athletic score was because no it's fantastic. He, he, he cuz he plays a lot faster. He's one of those guys who plays faster than what maybe some of the numbers would indicate. You know, he is really bendable and he is pliable and he does seem to to have a little extra zip in his step when he's on the field. So anyway, I, yeah, well while you're looking that up, let me just also say to the uh, to the caller, you know, it's funny when, when you go back and you look at Yadam, when he came out of school, okay, he was more of a of a of a press cover corner. And when he got to Denver and they drafted him, they were asking him to play a lot of off coverage and deep zone. And as we've learned, guys who are not asked to do what they did in school sometimes have a hard time adjusting to the NFL, even more so because of the unfamiliarity with the scheme. Now, I'm not going to go and tell you that Isaac Adam is excellent, but what I am going to tell you is we've now seen, since he came to the Giants, as he started to adjust, even though the Giants do play a lot of zone, they do play a lot less cushion than what the Broncos were playing. And I think the style of play, plus his comfort level and maturity, as he gets more snaps, has helped him become a better player. I don't know where his upside or his ceiling is, but right now he is very functional. I don't think there's any doubt he's a functional player.
6: Yeah, he absolutely is. I've noticed improvement in him almost every game. I I had to mention it to you. All right, John. I'd like to say one more thing. Sure. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. (laughs) Happy Holidays to all you guys and all the
3: Giants fans. And let's go win a playoff game. I'm with you, John. Thank you for the call. (laughs) Good stuff. All right, I got Connor Coughlin up here, and then I got on the item thing. 9.81 out of 10 RAS score. Four, That's five, good. 4 5 40-yard dash, Uh two six seven split. They did not do a shuttle or a three-cone. 6-3, uh, three, but again, only 236 pounds. And, you know, I guarantee you he was chugging gallons of water before that weigh-in. <laughs> Because people were worried about <laughs> his weight, so I guarantee you he was like he had the, the gallons of water going. <laughs> right. But he, even his even his jumping, he had a 36 inch vertical, uh, 10 foot 6 inch broad jump. So he he had very good athletic scores, Paul. So if you can, but again, you can't play him on first down or second down here. You know, on the edge, that's just not what you're going to do. Right. But again, if you can use him in these passing situations where you can use the athleticism, then maybe you got something here. Well, more importantly, against a guy
1: like Murray, and one of the reasons why I think Coughlin got more snaps last week, of course the Giants linebacker injury situation has kind of necessitated these young guys getting accelerated into the lineup. But when you consider the horizontal mobility of a guy like Wilson, and now Murray, as you said, he's even faster than than Wilson is, you want to be able to use an athletic guy who can stretch sideline to sideline and allow him to push that line of scrimmage that line of defense ever so closer to the quarterback so that you can string him out and you can cut down the angle in terms of giving him or not giving him I should say an open lane to take off.
3: No, I'm with you. And just on on Yadam, and I'll even extend this to Bradbury a little bit. You're right. They don't play a lot of press man here, and they play a lot of off coverage. So I want to give coverage to the Giant coaching staff for teaching Yadam how to do this stuff and and be better at it. But I think another reason, too, why Bradbury, Paul, has been so good, I think when you look at Yadam and Bradbury, right, they're kind of those taller, longer, more physical type of cornerbacks, right? I agree with that. So what those guys are going to struggle with is when they have to change direction and move side to side a lot. Right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, cover guys on deep in cuts and, you know, cover guys that are going to be very sudden out of their breaks and they have to stick to them. Well, the Giants have made those guys play vertically. You know, they play a little bit off and they crash down on an in cut or they crash down on a stop or they trail a guy or they stay on top of a guy on a deep vertical route. They are not being asked to change directions with these quick, sudden, wide receivers going across the field, whip routes, and things like that. And I, it's playing to their strengths. And I think that's why the Giants are such a zone-heavy team because they're taking advantage of what these corners do well by keeping them in their third or quarter of the field, depending on the defense, whether it's you know cover three, they're in the deep zone, or cover two, they're in the shallow zone. And they're able to to run in straight lines more than they're being asked to change direction. And I think that's one of the reasons why they've been so effective. Let me ask you this, John, and and maybe you've noticed it as well as
1: I do. I'm just going to come right out and ask you, how many times have you seen either Bradbury or Yadam or even Ryan Lewis before that backpedal? Well, no, because because they're playing – you know, so exactly. far off they don't have to. They, they 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 come down on the ball. They 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 give you the cushion because they're going to be in the zone, but then they close on it. Correct. And they 100%. close quickly. Yep. And that's a, to me, to me, that is a totally different style of coverage than what Yadam was doing before with Denver. Because when you when you start asking him to do a lot of that other stuff, you know you'll see you'll see corners commonly on some other teams and other schemes. They're bailing right away. Yeah, I'll put it this way, Paul. You don't want those guys flipping their hips a lot. <laughs> That's not a good idea. No, right. So i I. You know, all of this together. This is why some guys. I don't want to use the word trash, but some people's trash is another guy's gold. Right sometimes it's it's the coaching, sometimes it's the schemes. sometimes it's the combination of
3: both. Yeah, and Joe Judge made this point today, Paul, and when he was asked about Bradbury, I don't have the cut handy, but it just came to mind. You know, they asked about how important Bradbury is to the scheme. He goes, yeah, but Bradbury is so effective because of how well the other guys do. Well, those cornerbacks can play that way because the linebackers get the right depth on their zones, right? Mm-hmm. The safeties are giving help in the right area on their deep zones. You know, that corner playing that cover three you know They don't look great if that safety's not there to cover them on the deep post. You know what I mean? So it, all that stuff works together to play to the strengths of the individual players. Couldn't agree with you more. And that's coaching. 973-667-1960. Six, six, Let's go back to the phone's call. You're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from?
0: John and uh, Paul, it's Dave from Cranford. How are, my, how are you? Come hey, Dave. What's going on, bud? Oh, I was doing good. Hey, uh... Paul, you know, I I was out with a bunch of guys. We were social distancing, but smoking a few cigars, and we had a great line. One of them was talking about you. And we said, can you just imagine after the Seattle game, everything's done. Paul's all done. He gets in his car. He's by himself. He starts the car, and before he drives out of the parking lot, he just sits there and goes. Yes, you know, and we were we were all sitting there saying that we, you, you just know it, right, guys? And we were all having a good, we were all you know having a good a good laugh uh, with you, not at you, but with you, well, saying okay. we're really happy, uh, you know, because we're all doing the same thing. So we knew we knew if we're doing that, we know you're doing that too. If um, it's
1: okay with you, now that game was in Seattle. If it's okay with you, you can picture that scenario Sunday after the Arizona game. How about that? Okay.
0: <laughs> so that'll, be, that'll be awesome, Paul. That'll be awesome. Okay. So, but, um, but anyway, we, um, you know, I think the thing, and, and Paul, I do want to give you props on this because you were saying this um, beforehand, and, and I, I love now, you know, which is, it is what it is, but all the positive stories and, you know, all that's nice. But before the positive stories, Paul, before all this was put together, you were talking about the coaching staff. And you were talking about the staff that that judge put together, and you were making comments before anything had shown itself. By the way, uh, well into the beginning of the season, well into even you know into camp, talking about the depth of this type of a coaching staff. And I go back to the you know the the Parcells days, and you remember those days because of the staff that those teams typically got better as the season went along. The more practices that they got. The better the team, you know, the better the team played, and and I expect that even over these last four games, I expect that there's going to be elements of of the of the team that are going to continue um, to get better because they're going to be able to play off of a number of those different things, and and that's really to me just the the biggest takeaway of of going into this game, and the biggest takeaway of this season so far has been a staff that, by the way. They told us that they were doing – like, this is not like, you know, after the fact. Like, all these things that they're talking about, how to use players, how to use them to their strengths, how to put them into positions to succeed. I mean, we thought they were going to be a much more man-heavy, you know, defensive scheme, and they've been the opposite. And the reason is because of what you guys just talked about. It plays better to the the strengths of the team. Well, Dave, the thing
3: about it is, too, all coaching staff say this, which is why, you know, you have to take everything with a grain of salt when coaches say things. But they've actually, for once, done what exactly what they said they're going to do, which is nice. That which is nice,
0: which is really nice, and it and it gives you as a fan gives you uh, you know a lot of hope going into the next game. I'll leave you with this one thought, and that is just the thirteen personnel. I just loved the use of thirteen um, on Sunday, and um, you know, and and the thing that I thought that you know was really encouraging is that where they were having the majority of their success you know for for that game was you know basically just power gap you know more or less straight ahead you know uh football yep. but the big but the big run with gallman you know was really an outside zone you know I, that run was, with that, a lot of bodies was a lot out, of motion
3: what was an outside zone uh, and the way the reason you know what's outside zone outside zone doesn't have any pullers right and the Giants had two pullers on that play one was a tight end I okay. believe so that okay. and and no, no don't, 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 and Dave it's okay because out, outside zone versus like power sweeps are difficult unless you watch the tape a bunch to figure out which is which and but this is okay. how you know it's an out and this is for all the fans out there it's an outside zone if you see all the players flowing in the same direction okay right okay mm-hmm. it's not an outside zone. If you see a couple players blocking down the opposite direction, which is what happened on that play, I think two of the tight ends blocked down on that play. Yeah. And Thomas and the other, and I don't know who the other guy was, I don't remember, came around and pulled as leads, right? So that's more of a power sweep type of play, as opposed okay. to an outside okay. zone, when all the linemen and the tight ends are all flowing in the same exact direction. So okay. that's how you can okay. tell the difference between okay. like a power yep. sweep and an outside zone oh, run.
0: Awesome, John. Thank you for that. Yes, that, no that's problem. Actually, huge, huge. I, I guess, I guess, just from a from a little bit of a novice eye, it just was nice to see them get to the. I guess what I was really saying was it's to see them get to the edge on that play as opposed to just sure. kind of straight ahead gap and 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 my point is you know because i still think that you know running the ball is going to be our bread and butter even even if jones is able to come back you know i like to see a little bit of diversity in that in that run scheme of just being able to see them attack in different ways and that's where i think the 13 personnel and running out of that and getting great blocking from the tight ends was such a powerful you know uh, addition and i think um, I think there's no reason that you're not going to see the same thing on, on Sunday. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, guys. Appreciate the
3: call, and Paul. I, I want to. I know you made a big point about the 13 personnel, and you know I ran the numbers on it. They ran, I think, it only three times in the first half, but 10 times in the second half. They got mm-hmm. 75 rushing yards uh, on those 13 personnel plays. But you know what? The scheme is great. 13. Okay, that's a great concept. It only works if your tight ends win blocking. And they did. And in the past, you well know that has not always been the case. Mm, you're right. But in that game, Levine Toilolo, uh, Levine Toilolo, and Caden Smith and Evan Ingram, they were winning on their outside blocks, and that's why it succeeded. There's no question.
1: It, it, look, if you don't execute on any play, okay, it's not going to look very good, no matter what the philosophy behind it is. But you know, I I I can't say enough. You know, for the fact that, like, on the big 60-yard run by Goldman did you see the key block by Austin Mack? Yep. Austin Mack to me, okay, and... And, and, and by the way, Caden K- 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 K-
3: K- Smith and Andrew Thomas had two really nice blocks on that play, oh, too. Oh,
1: there me. were five. There were five key blocks that I had on that play. And folks, if 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 you really want to do yourself a favor, go look up Brian Boldinger on Twitter. He put out an eight-minute video on the Giants' blocking schemes uh from the Seattle game. And he did highlight the Goleman play and went through it like three or four times. It was a thing of beauty. Borisnikov would have loved the ballet because it was so sweet how every guy did exactly what he needed to do in unison. And so it's, yeah, it's not just the tight ends. Yeah, it's the running back sometimes, sometimes it's the wide receiver. It requires everybody doing their job. So so that's number one. It's not just about the tight ends, but you're right. They've clearly improved their blocking as the season has gone on, and that's a big part of it. I'm always f- in favor of a jumbo package. It doesn't have to be three tight ends. It could be two tight ends and a tackle eligible, Sure. you know, who's going to be that third guy. But, you know, I salivate for that kind of package. I've been asking for it for a decade, and, you know, thank God they brought it out. But the other point that I want to make about what the caller said, John, and I think this is very, very important because Joe Judge mentioned it the other day in his media conference when he said the GM went and got the kinds of players that we needed, and they're not just talented players, but these guys are mature locker room guys who are good teammates, who want to learn, who want to improve, and these guys are good people to be around not just players, and Judge was very, very adamant about that. Gettleman got the kinds of guys who are coachable, who are willing to absorb what this staff is trying to teach them.
3: And they're smart, and they're professional. They're adults. You got it. You know, I know you love Demontre Moore, Paul. He wouldn't have lasted two seconds with Joe Judge. Absolutely not. He wouldn't have lasted two seconds. I love DeMontre Moore's tools. His (laughs) skill set. (laughs) His toolbox was terrific. Right, but this is my point. He had nothing else. I don't think Dave Gettleman drafts DeMontre Moore. That's my point. Absolutely not. Dave Gettleman wouldn't have touched DeMontre Moore with a 5,000-foot pole.
1: Because he did not have any of the other intangibles that you need to become a successful NFL player. When, when I looked at Demontre Moore, and I've told you this in the past, and you can testify on behalf of me to all the fans out there, I think Demontre Moore may have been the biggest waste of toolbox talent and skills, pure skills, of any player who I have seen in my 38 years of covering the
3: Giants. I will not forget, it was the Monday after the draft, so you had, had time to go home, Paul, or maybe it was the Tuesday after the draft. You had gone home, and you had gone back, and you had watched extra DeMontre Moore. And mm-hmm. I will never forget your quote on the show on that Monday or Tuesday. You go, John, John, i got to tell you, I went back, I watched DeMontre Moore, i got to tell you, that guy, unblockable. <laughs> he was? You watched no, him. But, you you watched him. And the point I'm making is that it he, just shows how much you did have confidence in his physical tool set. The tool set was just dominant. Absolutely dominant. I mean you talk remember
1: now, okay? They used to call him, okay, uh after Demarcus Ware. He 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 was the monster.
3: And You know, that's how incredible—you couldn't block them even with two people. But that shows you why scouting's important. You talk about scouts. Anyone can sit home and watch tape, but it's scouting and good scouting that— teaches you and tells you about the things that's not on tape well yeah that might tell you whether or not a guy's going to succeed
1: that's why you go to the school you talk to the coaches you talk to the trainers you try to get any background information you can you talk to the strength and conditioning coach to see about his work habits and and all of those intangibles that's why when they draft these guys there's a folder on every one of them and trust me, while the tape is the most important thing, oh boy, it is not the only thing. And and more is the poster child for that.
3: 973-667-1960. Want to remind Giant fans that Big Blue Kickoff Five is presented by the New York Lottery. The New York Lottery has released their seasonal scratch-off games once again. Head to your nearest retailer for the chance to win up to $500,000. Please gift responsibly. All right, we'll go to our next caller. Caller, you're on the air with John and Paul. What's your name? Where are you calling from?
5: Hi, it's uh, Scott from New Mexico. What's up, Scott? Hi. Hi, guys. Uh, I noticed something when I was looking at some of the stats uh, when it was for a, in regards to Kyler Murray. In the month of December, he's 21 of 39, for, and his completion percentage is 15, 53.8. He's only averaging a, a, a per pass 4.4 yards. I'm wondering, is there any possibility he may not play? I think Brett Hudling is their backup quarterback. No, he, no, but his, no, no. His, his he's, shoulder is kind play. of bad, and even the Arizona announcers are wondering if he's going to play. I was just curious.
3: Well, I mean, he, he hasn't be. re-injured the shoulder. He's had it a couple of weeks, and he's played through it. So I'd be surprised if they sit mm-hmm. him down now, to be honest. Okay.
5: And also, uh, Arizona's ranked 18th in the league in uh, defense. Uh, they've given up 4,319 yards.
3: Yeah, they're about middle of the road.
5: Right, but they've given up a lot more in the air, about almost 3,000 yards in the air. So I was wondering uh, if uh, Daniel Jones plays, do you think, I know they won't abandon the run, but do you think, they will, uh, if if Jones plays, they will uh, be more pass-happy, especially I against that kind of a defense. No,
3: Scott, honestly, I don't. I think last week they played the third-ranked run defense in the league, and they ran it anyway. So I think they're going to do the same this week. If Arizona puts a million men in the box and they stop it and then you throw, that's fine. But, Paul, I'd be shocked if they didn't go into this game and, and think run first.
1: I agree with you wholeheartedly.
3: Thank you, Scott. we got to run, pal. It would just surprise me. You're able to run the ball against a better run defense, quite frankly, than what Arizona's throwing out mm-hmm. there. So why not do it again? Totally concur. And and part of the reason is, you know, I,
1: I, I, I would definitely run away from Marcus Golden. We know how Marcus Golden does play well against the run. I would go with Hassan Reddick, to be quite frank with you, because on the other side of, of that pass rush, you know, he is a guy that, you know, you can run around and a guy you can run through. It, it's been proven. He's, he's, unfortunately for the Cardinals, he is their best threat in the pass rush. But he doesn't really stand up very well against
3: the run. And Golden's been productive since he got there as a pass rusher too. So Golden will mostly, by the way, fans, if you don't know, he'll be lined up over Andrew Thomas most of the time. Yep. And Reddick will be over Cam Fleming most of the time. They do rotate a little bit, but I'd say 75-25, give or take, Paul. It'll be Golden on the right of the defense, so against the left tackle. And Redick on the other side. Now the so, other
1: key to that, John, is when Buda Baker is is coming down hard, trying to fill up one of those gaps, you gotta make sure you account for him.
3: And not just him, by the way. Isaiah Simmons too. Yep. They're using him more and more. First half of the year, he only played thirty snaps once, I think, in the first nine games. Last four out of the last five, he's played more than thirty snaps. So they're starting to figure out and we look, we talked about it, right, during the draft process, how he would have to have a really defined role to start his career and use him where he, you know, where where he's going to be good. And they're starting I think to figure out how to use him in these passing situations to take advantage of his skill set as a pass rusher and in coverage.
1: Yeah, and you know, in the last few weeks, I, I I don't have specific numbers. You may have them in front of you, but what watch on the tape, you can see how he's been much more effective as a blitzer. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's what if you remember, that's what I was saying all along when when everybody said he's a jack of all trades, I said, "Wait a minute." I think I'd see him more as a weak side backer because I think he can rush the passer better, and and they're starting to figure that out now in, in Arizona. I, John, I'm I'm worried that next year he's going to be quite the breakout player. It's been a little slow for him oh, as a sure. rookie, but I think next year he's he is going to live up to his billing. Yeah,
3: honestly, linebackers always take a little while, Paul. They just yeah, do. It's such a, a tough transition. Even Roquan Smith, he struggled his first year. Year and a half, it's and he's playing, playing well much now. better now. Same thing with um, oh boy, uh, the kid Edmonds up in uh, in uh, Buffalo. He's mm-hmm. another kid that started slow and is playing a lot better. It takes some. It takes time sometimes. It just does. Hey, Giant fans, get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with the Giants branded debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to two hundred fifty dollars when you open an account at investorsbankcom giants. Member FDIC. We'll go to our next caller. Carl, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from?
4: Hey, guys, this is Woody from Walton. Woody, what's up? Um, I just wondered, do you think Shane Lemieux has supplanted Hernandez from the starting spot on the line there?
3: Yeah, I mean, based on the number of snaps the last few weeks, I have to think that he has.
4: I mean, Hernandez doesn't seem to have progressed since that rookie year very well.
3: Uh, I think he's better than he played as a rookie, but he hasn't taken as big of a jump, I don't think, Paul, as you would have liked in his third season.
1: Yeah, and I think on the other side of that coin, Lemieux has accelerated his play rather rapidly.
3: Now, the good thing, too, is that they're able to play a a style that I think – plays Fits. to Lemieux's strengths. Yeah. Like, if, Lemieux, if Lemieux's being asked to do a bunch of one-on-one pass protection stuff and throwing it 40 times, you're no. going to see weaknesses very, very quickly. <laughs> I mean, there, there, I was a, so. there was a play last week where the the defensive tackle put the swim move on him, and he was basically untouched to Colt McCoy. He McCoy somehow got out of the way, had yes. avoided the sack. I but saw it. Yeah, I mean, th- there's stuff like that on tape. But look, the thing you like about Lemieux, Paul, is a good, good verse to run. And just mentally, he's so sharp. He doesn't generally miss assignments. He's good at passing off those stunts and twists. And if you can do that and you can play offense the way the Giants are playing offense, he's going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, look,
1: I don't know what's going to happen economically. We all realize the cap is going down at the end of the year. And there's no doubt that Kevin Zeichler is one of the, is one of the more higher-paid Giants. Yeah. So that may come into play so that... Uh, as much as I don't like to discuss what's going to happen next year, you do have to admit from a business perspective, it, there's a lot of logic in having Lemieux
3: and Hernandez as your two starting guards. Yeah, Paul, five or six weeks ago I would have said you were crazy, but the way Lemieux played, I think it brings it onto the table a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, I mean,
4: that wouldn't bother me. I mean, I know I'd, I'd hate to lose Zeitler, but, man, I'm as old. I mean, and Zeitler does. Fit into what I believe, and I'm an old school. I believe I don't believe in finesse on the offensive line. I want linemen that line up and knock the snot out of the guy across <laughs> from them. That's
1: that's my philosophy on the old I'm line. I'm with you, my friend. And and, Z- and has been a good giant, finesse. trust me. And
2: yeah, and <laughs> I'm not, I'm not you looking to write that him that. off.
1: No, I want you to understand, I'm not looking to push Zeitler out the door. I'm simply saying if you strictly look at the economics of it. You could come up with a logical path that way. Sure, I'm not telling you. I'm trying to push him out. Believe me, I'm not.
4: No, no, I understand that. But, but realistically, it's probably what's going to happen.
3: Well, I mean, well it, look, it, it, it could. It, it all depends where they want to, you know, use their salary cap and where the salary cap comes in. A pro football talk had a report, poll that it might be 195 and not 175, which Ooh. would be a huge relief to Ooh. a lot of teams out there. Be very nice. Well,
4: that... That would be great because if we could keep Williams and and Logan, and somehow <laughs> squeeze the nose tackle in there too, man, that would be awesome. I wouldn't care if we spent another penny anywhere else if we could <laughs> if we could keep those three guys, man, that would be awesome.
3: All right, Woody. <laughs> thanks for the call, bud.
4: All right. See you later, guys. Have a great weekend.
3: Hey, you too. 973 667 1960 If we get a call in very quickly here, uh, we will try to squeeze you in right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. The New York Giants and Quest Diagnostics want our fans to come back stronger than ever. Now you can order your own lab test through Quest Direct to get the health answers you need most. All right, Paul, let's uh, kind of wrap it up here. Your final thoughts are your Giants and Cardinals, on Sunday. Well, you know,
1: we've talked a lot about what we think is going to happen, that if the Giants play the kind of game that they're capable of and that they've shown over the last month or so, they should feel pretty confident that they can they can take care of business as long as they don't self-destruct. Uh, I don't think there's anything that I've heard or read or seen in the last two or three days that makes me change my mind. I, I think this team... Uh, should feel confident, and I mean that even if Colt McCoy is forced to play a second game in a row. Because I think the bigger injury for me is not if
3: Jones misses the game, it's if Martinez misses the game. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I think that would be a big loss. Who who do you think would be the guy? Look, we know Logan Ryan wore the dot on the helmet last week as the communicator, but uh, is it Mayo? Probably. Is it Peppers?
1: I think I think what happens is you start out with Mayo and Crowder. As, as two of your linebackers there, you know, who are going to be uh, multi-down backers. But then in the obvious passing situations, I think you have to get Mayo out of there and you have and new, get
3: more athleticism. And you do Crater and Peppers as your two guys in that I spot. I would think that's possible. I would
1: think that's possible. I would hate to see the Giants be pinched into that situation because
3: I love Martinez's experience. No, I'm with you. All right, we got one more call, Paul. I want to try to squeeze it in before you say goodbye, all right? Caller, you got 60 seconds. What's your name? Where are you calling from? What do you got?
4: Okay, it's Neil from Brewster, New York. Um, hi. Hi, guys. Hi, Neil. Uh, I just want to say I think the young linebacking core, uh, I'm, I'm just loving it. Well, I also want to say I can watch the Giants. They're watchable, and that's number one, okay? <laughs> and the last couple of years they weren't watchable. Whatever happens with the playoffs or not, they're a very fun team to watch, an exciting team to watch. And the young linebacker play—they are understanding Patrick Graham's system, and I'm pretty happy. Didn't think I'd be saying that this year. I am.
3: Appreciate it. Good, good stuff, stuff, Neil. And hey, John, one quick thing yes, before please.
1: we go—it's mm-hmm. not—it's non-football, but it's up your basketball alley. You I got? just happened to see that Hubie Brown is locked in to do more NBA games this year. Oh, good for you. And man. as an old-school guy, I got to be honest with you—I love listening to Hubie.
3: Yeah, of course you do. That is, like, the least surprising thing I've heard all day. (laughs) Oh, mighty. Uh, The last thing I'll say very quickly is that, look, I'm with you. I think if the Giants play clean football and they win the turnover battle, I think they win the game. A lot's going to have to do with how many plays Kyler Murray makes. So much of what the Cardinals do revolves around Kyler Murray and whether or not he can make, you know, big plays with his arms or his legs. I think he's more of a scramble guy to run than a scramble guy to pass, unlike Russell Wilson, who's the opposite. So, I think that'll be interesting. And, look, if the Giants play, again, I said this earlier in the show, for the folks that missed it, I'll say it one more time. If the Giants play like they did against Seattle, they'll win the game. If they play like they did against Cincinnati, they probably won't. And I'll leave it at that.
2: Fair Everybody,
3: enough. thanks for being with us. I want to remind you once again that Big Blue Kickoff Live was presented by the New York Lottery. The New York Lottery has released their seasonal scratch-off games. Once again, head to your nearest retailer for the chance to win up to $500,000. Please gift responsibly, and of course, don't forget that Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants Podcast Network. You can find the archive of the network on giants.com slash podcast on the giants mobile app. And then of course on all your favorite podcast platforms. If you're on Apple podcast, please leave a five-star positive review. And if you know giant fans that look, that are looking for giants content. That's a little more in depth and detail. Like we give you here, as opposed to what you hear, you know, on the radio every day, please tell them to go check it out. The more people we have visiting, the more stuff we can do and the bigger and better it's going to be. Our podcast network is presented by investors bank for Paul, DeTino, I'm John Schmuck. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll see you next time on big blue kick. Off live on Giants.com on Monday at noon. You can also find this on Sunday for our pregame show on WFAN at 1130 with Paul, myself, Lance, and Jeff, and Howard Cross. Then Bob and Carl, of course, with the game at 1 o'clock. Everybody enjoy your weekend. Enjoy Giants and Cardinals. And we'll see you on Sunday and again on Monday afternoon. Stay safe.